Brothers and sisters, we want you to continue to lend us your amens. Let's have a good time for the Lord. Hey, wait a minute. What's that? Don't tell me that's the Bible. Bible. There you go with the Bible again. Always with that Bible. You want some Bible? I'll give you some Bible. I need both hands free to preach some gospel into your heart. You have to take your time and get in the book and obey the book and walk according to the book so nobody can come along with a lie that sound right and take you out the book. Different pages. Mercy, grace, and peace to you, my kingdom people. How you doing? You're tuned in once again to your favorite podcast. That's right, Flipping Pages, the podcast. I'm your pastor in the booth bringing you the truth. Welcome to the podcast. This is the podcast where we're all about rightfully dividing the word of truth to expel all misconceptions of Christianity. And the way we do that is with biblical truth. Well, we are in the midst of our discussion about deconstruction. We started talking about it on the last podcast, and we're going to finish up on this episode. So we're going to get right into it. Holy Spirit of God, we thank you for this day. This is truly a day that you have made. I thank you for the opportunity to uh, share your word with your people. Father, I thank you for leading us into all Truth. Your word is a light unto our pathway and a lamp unto our feet. So, Father, we ask you, Lord God, to lead and guide us, Lord, as we meditate on your word today. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, for those of y'all who may not tuned in on the last podcast, we're going to recap a little bit. We're talking about deconstruction. Deconstruction is the thing that's going around now that a lot of uh, professing Christians are doing. They are deconstructing their faith. And the word deconstruction is a compound word. It has the prefix the and then the root word is construction or to construct. Now, whenever you use the prefix the with a word, it literally negates the word. So when we're talking about deconstruction, we have to look at the word construction or construct. Now to construct means to build or erect or to uh, produce or create. But whenever you put that prefix de in front of the word, it negates the word or in other words, it means the opposite. So in this case, when we're talking about deconstruct or deconstruction, like I said, to construct means to build. It means to produce, to create. But when you put that prefix in front of it, instead of building up, what are you doing? You're tearing down. Instead of creating, you are destroying. So we see that this deconstruction is something that we as Christians should not be doing with our faith. I mean, why would we want to uh, uh, tear down our faith? Why would we want to destroy our faith? You know, I looked up some synonyms for deconstruct. Here's some synonyms uh, uh, that go along with deconstruct. To destroy, 
to deprive, to deactivate, decline, deplete, and even decease. Lord have mercy. Why would we want to do any of this in terms of our faith? That's absurd. That's, that's unthinkable. As Christians, as kingdom people, what we want to do with our faith is we want to build it up. You know, the word of God says that faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing the word of God. All throughout the scripture, uh, uh, the word of God encourages us to strengthen our faith, to add to our faith, hope, love, grace, peace. Our faith is something that we want to uh, uh, look to strengthen and reinforce. But with this deconstruction thing, it's all about tearing it down, destroying it, killing it. And we know that that is the heart of the enemy. We know John 10.10 10 says it's the thief, Satan, the enemy, the devil that comes to steal, to kill, and to what? Destroy a.k.a. deconstruct. We also listened to some clips <clears throat> from a well-known, I guess I would say, ex-Pentecostal. <laughs> uh, he still claimed to be a bishop or a minister or whatever, So, but hey, it is what it is. But we listened to some clips from uh, Carlton Pearson uh, along with some other folk that he had on his podcast, a video, and we're going to go back and we're going to uh, listen to some more of those clips and just kind of get a, a more broader view of what uh, they are saying and attempting to say and, and kind of dig a little deeper into why they are saying what they're saying because we want to get some clarity on what this thing really is all about and why this deconstruction thing is so popular today. Number one, I think, is because people are looking for loopholes and excuses to sin. Bottom line. Bottom line, people are looking for opportunities and ways to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Romans 1 says that ungodly people would suppress the truth because of their unrighteousness. Also, I think people are embracing this teaching because of idolatry. What I mean by that is that people have created a God in their own image, a God in their minds. And anytime you create something yourself, of course, it's going to cater to what you like. So your God is going to be whatever you like him to be. If you want your God to be uh, female or male, or if you want him to be uh, just the energy of the universe, your God can be whoever and whatever you want it to be. Why? Because it's a God of your own imagination. And this imaginary God is everyone, everything, regardless of people, culture, background, or religions. Now, that's not biblical Christianity. What that is, is pantheism, which basically says that God is the universe. The Bible says that in the beginning, God created. In other words, that God is outside of time, space, and matter. He's in eternity. But pantheism says in the beginning, God is the universe. 
In other words, they say God is in everything. He's in the moon, the stars, the galaxies. God's in you. God's in me. God's in the animals. God's in your car. God's in your cat, your dog. God's in your coffee. I mean, God is in and is everything. That's pantheism. That's not biblical Christianity. Now, someone who's a prime example of a pantheist would be Oprah. And if we know anything about Ms. Winfrey, we know that she is one of the, if not the richest women in the world, and that she's on some other stuff when it comes to her spirituality. Here's a clip of her talking about her spirituality to give you an example of what I mean. What is my belief practice today? Today, I feel the fierce love of all that is God. Did you notice the long, awkward pause in between what she was saying? Like, you know, well, I believe today, as if to say, you know, well, tomorrow I may believe something else, you know, but what I believe today is this. And I mean, that's classic pantheism. <laughs> but let's listen to the rest of this. I feel the fierce love of all that is God so deeply, so strongly, and so purely in my heart that it lifts and carries me, and sometimes I actually feel weightless in the love that is God because I feel it in all things. Because I've reached a point in my life where I actually pay attention to every breath. And my spiritual practice is that I awaken and the first thought is thank you. And the next thought is I'm still here in this body, fully present to everything to all beings, to all things, to not miss this experience of being here now on the planet we call Earth. Classic textbook, Pantheist. Now, if you was to Google Oprah's religion, it would say that she professes to be a Christian because she grew up in a Baptist church. Now. Just because you go to church as a kid don't make you a Christian. Just like going to school don't make you a straight-A student. And I know for all of my Baptist folk out there, y'all might have got the banner of attendance in Sunday school because you had the most people in class, but that didn't make you a Christian. We don't get credit for just showing up. It's all about what we believe. And if we're not walking in truth, biblical truth, then we're not keeping the faith. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, that we, we are to examine ourselves to make sure that we are in the faith, that we are truly following the teachings of Christ. And pantheists do not follow the Bible. They do not follow biblical 
Christianity. The God that they profess to believe in is not the eternal God in heaven, but it is a totally different God. You don't believe me? Well, hey, let's flip some pages and find out. Let's go to, let me see. Um, let's go to Timothy. No, 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 no. Let's go to Romans. Romans chapter 1. Yes, yes. Romans chapter 1. This is pantheism in a nutshell right here. Romans 1. We're going to start reading at verse 18. Listen to this. Now, we just we just heard what Oprah professed to believe. And we're going to listen to some clips uh, a little later with some other folk. But this is it right here. Pantheism. This is what it is right here in scripture. Listen to this. Romans 1 starting at verse 18. But God showed his anger from heaven against all sinful wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now when the word says wickedness here it's not talking about ghosts and goblins or goons or you know, none of that. That's that's Hollywood. <laughs> that's Looney Tune. Wickedness here simply means wrongdoing. It means evil. It means sinful. And remember, our definition for sin is anything outside of God's original purpose and intent. So that's what it says here when it says they suppress the truth. In other words, they hold down, they, they try to stifle, they try to silence the truth about God for their wickedness. In other words, they try to press down the truth of God so they can uplift their sinfulness or their wickedness. Verse 19, they know the truth about God because it has been made obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities. What is God's invisible qualities? It's going to tell us right here. It says his eternal power and his divine nature. You see, God is, is both eternally powerful. In other words, he is omnipotent. And he also is divine by nature. It says, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Who is they? That's everybody. None of us have an excuse not to know God. Why? Because everything that is to know about God, his eternal power, his divine nature, it can be clearly seen through everything that God has made. See, we know that there's a creator. Why? Because of creation. We can see the creator's handiwork through creation. Just like you can see the skill of a painter by looking at his painting, you can see the skillfulness, the divine nature, the, the eternal power of the creator just by looking at what he created. Now, look at verse 21. This is the pantheist. It says, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him 
as God, or even give him thanks. They begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. So instead of recognizing God for who he is, the all-powerful, divinely eternal God, it said they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became other fools. Verse 23, and instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worship idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. The pantheists don't recognize the eternal God. Just like it says here in verse 21. They would not worship him as God or give him thanks. It says instead they came up with foolish ideas of what God was like. So instead of worshiping God as the creator, they say God is the creation itself. And that's foolish. Because if God is the creation, then where did the creation come from? If you have a creation, you have to have a creator. That's just like you can't have a, a book without an author. You can't have a painting without a painter. And it's foolish to think otherwise. Let's continue to read here. Verse 24. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Look at verse 25. It says, They traded the truth about God for a lie. This is pantheism right here. That's what it does. It trades the truth about who God is for a lie of what God is or who God is. It says, so they worship and serve the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That's it. That's pantheism right there. This is what Oprah believes. This is what uh, uh, Carlton Pearson and, and these other folk are believing now that God is simply the universe. He's the energy of the cosmos and all of this stuff. Man, but that's foolishness. And man, it, it is wild how a lot of these folk try to sound wise and intelligent and you know, they use all these big words and everything. But just like it said in verse 22, claiming to be wise they instead became other fools. Why? Because you are trying to literally deny something that is so obvious. Something that is clearly seen. You know, it says in the book of Psalms, heavens declare the glory of the Lord. So we can look at everything that God has made and know that he exists. That's why the word says that we, as mankind, we are without excuse. So regardless of what these people are claiming with all of this uh, deconstruction, the truth remains firm that there is an almighty, all-powerful, true and living 
God that we all one day will have to give an account to. And that's the bottom line. Now, when we come back from the break, we're going to dive a little deeper into this thing. And I'm going to attempt to pull back the curtain and reveal the real reason and motive for this whole deconstruction thing. We touched on it a little bit, but uh, we're going to go a little deeper when we come back. So stay tuned. Welcome back, welcome back, kingdom people, wherever you may be. I want to thank you for tuning in. If you're in Ireland, the UK, Sweden, uh, France, India, Germany, or here in the US, thank you once again. From me and everybody here at Flipping Pages, we want to thank you for listening in because the reason we do what we do is for you. That's why we seek to expel all misconceptions of Christianity so you, our brothers and sisters in the faith, can know and have biblical truth, can live by biblical truth because the word of God says in John 8 that it is the truth that we know that will set us free. Free from what? Free from the lies, free from the deception, free from the deconstruction of the enemy of the day that the enemy is using, just like he did with Eve. He came and he sowed a seed of doubt to Eve to get her to question the word of God. So as we listen uh, to these clips, I want you to pay attention, pay attention to the, the cunning ways that the enemy uses even God's word <laughs> to get you to question God's word. Same thing he did to Adam and Eve. He even tried to pull that mess with the Lord himself, but we're going to look at it a little later, but let's get into these clips. Clip one. Um, but deconstruction is, which is kind of the buzzword that we call this, this whole process of examining our faith. Um, it is the, it's honestly, it is the best way to get closer to God, y'all. I agree. It is the, it, I have never felt so loved and so close and so safe since being on this journey. Now, remember what we said, deconstructing your faith, it's not the process of building your faith up. It's not the thing that strengthens your faith, that reaffirms your faith, but deconstruction destroys it. It deactivates it. it. It depletes your faith. It kills your faith. So how is something that's killing your faith in God building you up? How are you feeling closer to God by doing something that's destroying your faith in God? My question to her would be, what God are you referring to? What God are you talking about? Because clearly you're not talking about the God of the Bible. Let's listen to another clip and see if we can determine what God she's talking about. I started to just pay attention to nature. I started to pay attention to my dog. I started to pay attention to my grandson. I, I looked at everybody. I looked at my husband differently. And it was at that moment that I realized, oh, God is omnipresent. This spirit is everywhere. And it's, it's in everything and it's all the time. 
and there's nowhere that I'm going to be that this presence is not. It's right. even it's even with me, and it's in me, and in, and it's manifesting as, through me as me, right? Yeah. That is something you're not going to get out of a book or a sermon. or the, There are so many downloads that we will receive directly from the Spirit of God if we just allow ourselves to trust that intuitive part of ourselves. And I know we've all been we've been taught not to trust ourselves, not to lean to our own understanding. If you take that first literal, that's what we were taught. But I'm saying uh, you were not made uh, outside of the image of God. You're you're made in that image and in that likeness. And if you believe that, then you have to also believe that you have the ability to um, to hear the the voice of God outside the confines of religion and 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 the Bible and church services. So we can clearly see, it's like I said earlier, that the God of deconstruction is the God of pantheism. It's the belief that God is in everything. Pantheism says God is not an eternal being, but it's simply a combination of the universe. Everything in the universe, every uh, substance, force, laws, people, stars, planets, galaxies. To put it simply, God is just the energy that makes everything up or the energy that everything consists of. It's like what they taught you in school or what they teach in school. So basically, uh, pantheism is evolution. That's, that's basically what it is. If people believe in evolution, they would be considered uh, pantheists. Another fun fact about pantheists is that they don't believe in evil. What we would consider as Christians to be evil or uh, demonic, they say it's just an illusion. That's why they don't believe in the devil. They don't believe in hell, sin, judgment, none of that. Because evil to a pantheist is basically just a fantasy or something that we create in our own mind. Yeah, this is what they believe. Let's listen to another clip. I've written a book titled, God is not a Christian or a Jew, Muslim, Hindu. God dwells with us, in us, around us, as us. Textbook definition of pantheism. There's a chapter in this book called, Get the Hell Out of My Bible, which means yes. the word hell of that particular concept that we've been taught all mm -hmm. these years. In another program, I'll break it down more. So we have to, as we unpack and deconstruct, we have to review and revise our understanding of scripture. Now, did you catch that last little part he said? He said, as they deconstruct, they have to revise their understanding of scripture. In other words, rethink, question the word of God, or what is God's word? of what God's word says. Now, what I wanna do with our remaining time is I wanna show you why that is. Why does the deconstructionist have to question God's word? Why they have to revise or rethink the truth of God's word? But in order for us to do that, y'all know what we got to do. We got to flip some pages. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's go to Genesis. Genesis chapter three, verse one. 
The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman. Notice he didn't ask the man. He asked the woman. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Now, flip, flip back over to chapter 2 and look at verse 15. Let's see what God said to Adam about the trees in the garden. The Lord God placed a man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you will surely die. Now, go back to chapter 3. Verse 2 says, this is what the woman replied to the serpent. She said, of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, this is what the woman said that God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Now, a couple of things we must take note of. First thing is that the serpent didn't deny that God said something. He just questioned what God said. He didn't deny the fact that God had spoke to Adam about the trees in the garden. But he showed a seed of doubt as to what God meant by what he said. And notice, God told Adam that he could freely eat from all the trees in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In your free time, go back and, and, and read the whole chapter 2. Chapter 2 and 3. And see that there was actually two trees in the middle of the garden. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and it was the tree of life. God never put any restrictions or exceptions on the tree of life. He told Adam he could freely eat from all the trees except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the only one. He could have ate of the tree of life all he wanted. But it was only that one tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And notice what the woman said to the serpent. <laughs> she said that God said they couldn't eat from it and they couldn't touch it. Now, did God say that to Adam? That he couldn't touch it? No, he just told him he couldn't eat from it. Now, this is Pastor Elliot's take on it. <laughs> this is not what scripture says. So, this is my take on it. I think Adam told Eve not to touch it. God told Adam not to eat from it. But when Adam related the message to Eve, she probably questioned him. You know, you, when, you, when you tell somebody something and they come back with that, well, why not? Why we can't do that? Why we can't eat it? What for? Why? <laughs> and Adam just probably, like the typical man, 
just got fed up. Look, God said don't do it. He said don't eat it. Look, don't even touch it. Just don't even go near the tree. Don't even touch the thing. He just got fed up. So when the serpent came and started sowing his little hisses and seeds of doubt to Eve, she was like, well, oh, God said we can't eat it and we can't even touch it. But God never said they couldn't touch it. He just said, don't eat from it. Now, let's continue to read here. We're in verse 4. After Eve told the serpent, God said, don't touch it, don't eat it. This is what he came back and said to Eve. Verse 4. You won't die. The serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now, who was the one that wanted to be like God? <laughs> it wasn't Adam and Eve. Remember, Adam and Eve was created in God's image and likeness. So they had no desire to be like God because they were already created in God's image. It was the serpent himself who wanted to be like God. It was Satan, the devil, Lucifer, who wanted to be like God. Now, look at verse 6. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of it and ate it. Then she gave some of it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Now, I'm not gonna read it for the sake of time. When you can, go and read 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This is where Paul is admonishing and encouraging the believers at the church in Corinth because he says that he was fearful that they were being deceived just like Eve was deceived by the serpent. And he said that the reason that he was concerned was because they were giving in or taking heed to a different gospel. They were even going as far as receiving a different spirit than the Holy Spirit. They were uh, believing in a different Jesus than the Jesus of Nazareth. And this is the point that I wanted to make and why we read here in Genesis. The reason the serpent went to Eve instead of Adam, remember God spoke to Adam and then Adam relayed the message to Eve. And when Eve was asked to recount what God said, she actually added on to what God had said. So in other words, Eve got the message of the word from God secondhand. And that's why the serpent didn't go to Adam. Because Adam had the revelation. He didn't just have the information about what God said. He had the revelation of what God said. And he knew what God said. Eve got the information secondhand from Adam and that's why the serpent went to Eve instead of going to Adam and that's how he got them to fall that's how he got them to question 
the word of God and go against the word of God. He even lied on God. The serpent lied on God and said, oh God, know that when you do this, your eyes going to be open like God was trying to keep something from them. Now God didn't want them, you know, to have something or to experience something. But that's what this whole deconstruction thing is all about. Remember we read in Romans 1 how they exchanged the truth for a lie. And this is the heart of the enemy. This is the heart of the serpent, of the devil. To get us to go against God's word. And that's why every time you hear somebody talk about deconstruction and all of this, they're always bashing the Bible. They're always bashing Christianity. They're always bashing Christ. And even if they do mention Jesus, it's not the Jesus of the Bible. It's not the Jesus that lived a sinless life and died for our sins and rose with all power and authority. It's always this just good teacher, uh, you know, somebody that just came to show us how to live a good life. And it's never the God of Scripture. And that's the thing I want to encourage you with. Don't let the enemy deceive you into questioning God's truth. Because that's what this whole deconstruction thing is all about. To try to get you to denounce your faith. To destroy your faith. To deplete your faith. People of God, be like the word of God says, sober-minded. We need to be steadfast. We need to make our calling and our election sure. We need to make sure that we're standing firm on God's word. Because if we're only getting God's word secondhand, if the only time that you are getting God's word is when you go to church on Sunday morning, is when the preacher says, uh, open your Bible, is when you sitting in church and don't even have your Bible and you just looking up at the monitor, for scripture, if that's the only time you're getting the word of God secondhand, then you're going to be deceived just like Eve was. Because she had it secondhand. She got the information, but she didn't receive a revelation. Information is not enough. We need revelation knowledge. It's only when we receive the revelation knowledge of the word of God, of the truth of God's word. Can we stand firm in the Lord against the schemes and the deceptions and the deconstruction of the enemy? So be encouraged today, kingdom people. Be encouraged. Allow God to, to show you his word. Get in his word. Spend time in God's word. Meditate on God's word. See, it's not about just reading for two, three hours at a time. No, you can read one verse. But if you meditate on that verse and get a revelation of what God is saying, then that's what you want. So it's not just about accumulating information, but it's about receiving the revelation knowledge of truth, of God's word. That's the thing that's going to help us to maintain and to stand against every trick, lie, deception of the enemy. So be encouraged today, kingdom people, to strengthen your faith, to add to your faith, hope, love, 
grace and peace. Hallelujah. So, until next time, may the grace, peace, and God be with you now and forevermore. God bless. <laughs>